that's how you get your machine to stay stable, is you just get it infected with somebody else's botnet and make sure they maintain it for you. You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 54, recorded Thursday, March 23rd, 2017. On this episode, Eric tries to convince John that there is a need for a full-time operations person at Diego Dev. John hates on LastPass, and Thomas delivers yet another round of doom and gloom. Let's get started. Here we go, gentlemen. Episode 54 of PHP Ugly. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I've got Thomas Rideout and John Congdon. Oh, come on. With me today. You're what? not Whoa, to introduce new ourselves. Opening. New opening. What is going on? I don't know. You guys are so terrible at the no, openings. I like, I'm just I trying liked to it. help you uh, out. All right, all right. No, we'll stick with that one. I I did, I did go into the the morning radio DJ in the pin with me today. In the pin. I, I, I have no idea where that came from. Coming to you from sunny San Diego and windy Colorado. Can you guys hear the noise? The the wind noise from uh from me over here. The only wind noise we ever hear from you is you vaping. We've got we're talking. We have. We've got gusts we're exceeding talking. 65 miles an hour now. This is the officially the lose your trampoline weather. <laughs> That's how they Are you reported it on outside the news. at all. I went for a nice walk today. Yeah, I had some uh, some pretty nasty code that I had to write, and I've always found that when I've got something that really needs that thinking, uh, it helps to get the legs moving. So I did some some walking and thinking. John, you, you're going to appreciate this. I'm drinking a Blue Moon tonight. Why would I? Oh, because it's no. what I have. <laughs> I will not appreciate that at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John didn't have a great experience with Blue Moon. John, it wasn't John, the Blue Moon. T- it was just tell me. Uh, well, the the Blue Moon is what wrapped it up. That's the funny thing yeah. about it. Is you were drinking so many so much heavier b- beers before. It was just that that. Tale of the Blue Moon. Yeah. Did it for you. So, Thomas, did you know John, because of his unfortunate situation from last week, he has a new toy. Really? He does. Ended up with the, the new MacBook Pro with the touch bar. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, I don't know if you'd say nice, but... You're supposed to be on the on the zealot side of Mac things, aren't you? <laughs> No, you you have to be honest with the equipment. The equipment's good, but that touch bar is not the best. It's got some cool features, don't get me wrong, but I still miss my escape key. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Oh, <laughs> uh, you 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 totally you totally uh, blindsided me. I was about to say the only positive thing I heard out of this is. John was telling me that the issue with the escape key isn't that bad. (laughs) It's not. I mean, I can still use the machine. I'm still functional. I just, I prefer a physical escape key (laughs) because I hit it so many times. So it's it's just weird hitting a a glass touch bar. I have to say it looks a lot better than I envisioned it. I I thought it would have a lot more of that um, screen, screeny look like a, like a monitor look, but it's, at first glance, you can't even see you—you you don't even realize that they're—they're they're not physical buttons. Yeah, I think yeah. it's OLED. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't OLED. wait. What I really want to see is PHP Storm integrate and and have some sort of plugin to make it more functional within PHP Storm. Yeah, wow. nice. he was he was using it today, and <clears throat> there was a brief moment of panic when he went to drop into debug and couldn't find his function keys anymore <laughs> <laughs> luckily we were, we were doing our uh, little co-working meetup and uh mike ho was there and he has the same one and said oh just hit the function key i'm like why didn't i think of that so you so say now you have to hit a key to see a key that's all it is too yeah cool. no, it's, it's better for you it's it's more it's more functional that way how, how could one complain i'm sure it will be <laughs> on the next version of the macbook as well <laughs> I'm sure. And it looks so different from the the current MacBook, you know, with the gray metal, and it looks exactly the same. That's weird though, because it has the same memory and processor. <laughs> I know. Don't get me started. I do really like the Touch ID. Having that on there is really, it's just it's a nice thing to have. I I come home to my desktop and I'm like, I want to log in with my finger. Well, I'm still <laughs> logging in with my fingers because I'm typing, but. <laughs> You know what I mean. See, I'm bad. I'm a bad guy. I don't lock my home desktop. No. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. 
Huh. Yeah, I don't lock it. I just hit the space bar. I don't even need a. I don't even need to swap. A, I, I take my finger and I hit the space bar. And it unlocks. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> I hope your home's never broken into. Well, unless they sit down at my desk and use my laptop. Because if they take the laptop, they have to log in. I mean, I don't have it auto-logging in. You still have to log in when it boots. But if somebody breaks to my house and jumps on Facebook, yeah, I'm screwed. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been working on this week, uh, Thomas? Anything fun? Oh, my God. The worst. The Uh, worst? Yeah. Yeah, I had a a script that was importing data from one system to another, and... It was sort of importing from a from a CMS to a production system, and it turns out that the auto incrementing IDs weren't supposed to be imported. It was supposed to use the IDs that were assigned. So I have I have a database with thousands of records that have incorrect IDs on their primary key. Now I'm writing a script to fix it, to to read what they should be, and to go over every record in every location and all of their relationships and fix them. Ugh, that does not sound fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I described it as an intentionally destructive tool because it is such a, a hideous job to be doing. And I mean, I, I've got a test database that I know I'm just going to be destroying and rebuilding and destroying and rebuilding for days I, before I'm comfortable. And how are you fixing that when you don't have a mapping of oh you have the old id in the new database no i have a new id in the new database and then i have a username which is unique uh and the old system has the same unique username but a different id so i have to do a match i have to do a text match on the usernames oh but at least you have some sort of unique identifier to to match i do i do Okay. You're able to join it, the it could have been worse. <laughs> Definitely could have been worse. There are there are a lot of hiccups. I have uh duplicates of some that did import correctly and then some that didn't import correctly. And How they've is that? got because I wasn't necessarily checking where I was supposed to check. And <laughs> developer error. <laughs> yeah, something went wrong. So I actually have collisions on some relationships now when I'm trying to reconcile all of the data together, and I have to try and resolve those collisions, which is fun. That, and I'm, I'm still still doing my uh, 5.4 upgrade. Um, <laughs> How long have you been doing that? I, you know, hours-wise, I probably put eight hours into it. It's just that uh-huh. I get, you know, that's it's not a priority, so I get pulled off of it pretty easy. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's had some pretty uh, major pains. Uh, Guzzle being the big one. Where were you upgrading from? 5.2. Did you doesn't seem like it should be that painful. Did you do it incrementally to 5.3, then to 5.4, or just direct? Uh, I'm doing it incrementally, but the big issue is that Guzzle in 5.4 requires version 6, which was a complete rewrite to PSR7 compatibility. Mm. So everything that... They did that again? Yeah. They, they did it a while ago, but it wasn't required until 5.4. So I had a lot of libraries start dying uh, that I had to go in and update. And a lot of API calls mm. that just didn't want to work anymore. I think for one of our clients, I have like six or seven pull requests open just because of a guzzle upgrade. It isn't mm-hmm. hard. Just because they... It's just... It's a pain, a pain. in the ass. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah. you get the whole, like, how do I test to make sure that, that they're working identically and... Right. Mm-hmm. Fun stuff. As important as Guzzle is, and as much as it's become a dependency on so many packages, I'm so surprised that they make... They're still making these dramatic changes. I hadn't heard I hadn't heard of this latest one, so that's why I was a little surprised. I know it had, it had happened before, and I got bit by it actually when I was upgrading. Um, so yeah, they take Semver very seriously. If they go up, they're breaking it no matter what. Yeah. They're going to break every call, <laughs> and they have the right to right. They 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 said they're it's a version upgrade, so they can do whatever they want. Really, 
I know, but don't be so drastic. Yeah, and the, the <laughs> issue comes when you've got packages that use five, and then you've got packages that use six, and it's really hard to get things friendly when your dependencies want an older version than mm. your current software. I mean, they, the things have to be written to work together, and it just doesn't. There's no abstraction for Guzzle right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Those major version changes just screw you. What about you guys? You had a meetup. Did have a meetup before I, before I get into that though. Um, coming to the realization, and it's probably something John and I are going to have to have sit down and have a real heart to heart about. We've spoken about it in the past, and we actually touched on this a little bit on previous shows uh, when you were mentioning that you didn't want to be a full stack developer, mm -hmm. Thomas. But it, it is starting to hit me hard that. We need like a dedicated operations person. I mean, it's such a key role, and unfortunately, people hire us to be their development group, but they don't they don't realize that with that comes the extra baggage of managing servers, managing you know, all this stuff. And man, it, it's just for like the last year, I've I've been kind of seeing a real need for somebody who's focused on server monitoring server builds, backups, things like centralized logging, inventory. And when when you have a team of developers who just look at it part-time, it for the most part we've been doing okay. And you know, we have a lot of guys who have a lot of experience with it, but they it's not a focal point for them. And just occasionally things just go sideways and it's just so frustrating when it happens because it, they're like simple things and it, and you can't blame anybody because it's it's nobody's it's nobody's central responsibility to mon to manage these servers but things go sideways that shouldn't go sideways and it's like god damn it you know it's just it's it's painful to go through um we we've talked about it before about developers aren't operations people and operations people aren't necessarily developers and the word DevOps is great for little projects, but when environments get to a certain size and certain complexity, DevOps doesn't really work for me anymore. I need that. I need that separation of responsibility. It's just like it's just like coding, right? You need separation of responsibility. I just keep and, going uh, back to. I understand the the need for it, but justifying a full time position for it is difficult. Tough. Yeah, it, I agree. Well, that's right. People are still buying managed servers. I mean, I can't believe that managed servers are still as big a thing as they are. I understand it to a point, but all of the cloud services are managed, <laughs> in my opinion. And they yeah, never that, go down. That's what I was about to say. They do a hell of a good job at staying up. I mean, yes, there, there are hiccups, but... You can't you can't really complain about the availability <clears throat> of AWS. I can complain about yeah. anything I want to. And you're very good <laughs> at it, we know. <laughs> so what Eric is alluding to is we had an issue today where somebody, again, not dedicated to operations, did something that they that makes perfect sense. They were adjusting an auto scaling group in AWS. And to do so, I believe they created a new instance and just added it to the group and then deleted the ones that were currently in the group, which shouldn't really have been a problem, but everything was down for a while. And then Eric says, Oh, well, if you, if you were going to do it, the proper way is add, what, what is it? Add the machine. You should have scaled the number group of up. Right. Yeah. Scale the group up. So we had two servers in the group, scale it to four, Make sure everything's stable. Bring it back to two, and it will kill the old instances. No. And just not knowing that kind of screwed us here. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, there's that moment of panic where it's the the good thing again about the way we've structured our, our company is that everybody jumps in the Slack channel and starts troubleshooting this. So the moment there's a problem, everybody's kind of like jumping on it. And there's just that brief, like, 30 minutes to a minute of panic of, why did this happen? Uh, 30 <laughs> seconds to a minute. 30 seconds to a minute of, why did this happen? How bad is this right now? To, once you realize what had happened, it's like, okay, 
here's how we how we recover from it. So it's not terrible. It's just not necessarily how you want to spend your afternoon. And definitely, I mean, the client whose whole business is based on this uh, <laughs> service that went down, it's just like a full stop for them. It's the, the, whole, the entire train just came to a complete stop until until things are figured out. I mean, immediately they had customers calling them uh, because they can't a, process things. It was a 15-minute outage, which feels like forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yes, you, you were asking about the Laravel meetup, Thomas. Um, we missed you. I saw you RSVP'd, but you didn't show up. Um, no. Pretty sure someone else must have RSVP'd me because... I, well, I, I yeah, I think I, I think I just have to remove you as an organizer. You, you're still an organizer there, and I think yeah. it might might automatically put you there. Did you? Who created the this meetup? The this specific uh, meeting? I did. I did. Huh? Oh, the meeting? Yeah. Yeah, it would have yeah. been me. It would have been me. Yeah. Yeah. Probably have to remove him as a host. Whatever. Yeah. We'll figure it out. But the the meetup, I I actually went into it a little depressed. I was. I was explaining to John because the RSVP list at the time was like nine and you were on that RSVP list. I was on that RSVP list. Our sponsor was on that RSVP list. So that's like three people right there. So that meant the RSVP list was really down to six. And Half a lot of, of those Dev were, was. I would say a lot of those were Diego Dev people. So I, I was actually a little discouraged. I, I had sent out a quick email before the meetup, but um, I'm it was very likely my best. Ha- I enjoyed the meetup. It, it was one of the more enjoyable ones. Had a um, had a a member of our meetup. You'd met him in the past, Thomas. <laughs> His name is Tony. Uh, he works for a group here in San Diego called the Control Group. We've spoken in the past, uh, talked about him presenting and all that. I I got hit by a bus when I realized who he was. It's funny because he actually has a service out there, a, sus- a subscription service very close to Jeffrey Way's Laracast. It's called uh, Dev uh, DevDojo.com. Mm. Um, he's got a bunch of free videos on YouTube. But I had subscribed to his service uh, because he has a lot of stuff, a lot of Laravel videos on there. And I was just looking to change it up. I, you know, Jeffrey Way kind of starts working on a series. And if it's not something I'm interested in, then chances are there's, there's not going to be a video available to me for a while. So I saw some new content over here. And I, I was watching his stuff on YouTube. Subscribed to his service for a few months and uh, you know, started burning through his videos, but I hadn't realized it was a member of our user group. Oh, you should have so, heard him as he was talking to this guy. His voice was getting higher and higher with the excitement. <laughs> it was because well, I, I the rest of the us were having content. a good time listening to it. <laughs> and then to top it all off, then I find out that he's the author of a pretty well known, or I, what I consider a pretty well known. Laravel package called Voyager, which I again I think we've spoken about on this show before, and it's just another one of these admin missing admin interfaces to Laravel. And there's a lot of the, a lot of them out there, and Voyager was one of the ones that stood out to me. It turns out he's the author of that as well, and I'm like, holy crap! I did not realize all this about you. <laughs> hmm. so, so that was fun. So what was the topic? Uh, doc- doctrine and Laravel. Ah. Yeah, doctrine. Yeah, that was the big one. Frank, uh, your your buddy Frank gave gave that talk. Frank, the nicest man alive. Um, he is, and uh, it, actually, the the turnout got, was was respectable. I think we had uh, about what do you think, John? Fifteen? Do- yeah, I was gonna say a dozen or just over that. Yeah, so it it actually turned out to be a pretty good turnout. Uh, lots of conversation, lots of talking. Uh, a listener who was on vacation well not on vacation he's he's down here from um vancouver. vancouver he's attending word camp yeah uh he actually showed up and that was fun to, to meet him and talk to him and so it's it turned out to be a great meetup i enjoyed it excellent mm. yeah i'm sorry i missed it did that mm. one get uh recorded and streamed at all 
It did? It did. Ooh, yep. excellent. So what do we got to talk about today, guys? Anything interesting going on in the PHP world? Boy, is there ever a little. Just a little. <laughs> I'm gonna do, I mean, I'll throw something out there. Well, there was, yeah. there was a little bit of chaos this week. Um, you were talking about DevOps stuff. And and a prime example came up this week where Taylor Otwell was just losing his mind over Forge servers. So it, it appears that on March 21st, an update to libc6 that was pushed to Ubuntu servers caused DNS to start failing after a certain amount of time. So That's a problem. Yeah, kind of a big issue. Um, I know that that affected a lot of users on Forge servers um, and a lot of users just using Ubuntu and updating without testing for stability or anything like that. So that was a pretty big one. There's, uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a link so, for how to fix that in the description, I think. So if, if it was in libc, was it only if you were compiling PHP? I believe this was a pushed update. Yeah, because you you said unattended, unattended. Yeah, an unattended, uh, unattended upgrade. Um, yeah, so it hmm. it wasn't it wasn't built from source. It, it must have been a package. That's scary. Yeah. See, that's why I just turn all updates off. I have machines that have been up for six, seven years, no updates, and they run fine. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> running a billion people's websites and they're doing great. The bot network makes sure it stays up. <laughs> it's, that's how you get your machine to stay stable, is you just get it infected with somebody else's botnet and make sure they maintain it for you. Exactly. <laughs> they don't want it to go down. They need it. Uh, so today, PHP Storm 2017.1 was released, and it's got some pretty neat features in it that uh, Eric and I saw this morning and were a little confused by at first. Uh, one of the things that I really liked was within your code, when you're making a function call, it will tell you the name of the parameter right in there. And Eric was looking at it and he's like, I didn't type this in here. It's, it's not part of my code. And I finally realized, oh, that's the name of the parameter. So I forget which uh, function it was, but he was just passing true in. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves is parameter lists where you don't know what is what. And now we know. Hmm. So it's a nice little feature in there. Yeah, it was weird. I, I, I even I'm like, what is what is this here? And I I opened up the file in Vim just to make sure it wasn't in my code, and it it, it was it was it was a little confusing for a moment. And then John freaked me out for a brief moment after he had upgraded to a PHP Storm 2017.1. Uh, he turned to me and goes, "Oh, hey, it looks like Idea Vim is not enabled here." I'm like, what? <laughs> that's a that's a deal breaker. <laughs> but it Turn, was. It turns out I have a new laptop and don't have PHP Storm installed properly yet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there. Everything's fine. I was going to ask if uh, 2017.1 had touch bar support, but I, I guess you would have noticed nope. that. that well, that's what, jo- that's what John was saying earlier. He, he He's looking... It, it would be nice to see that happen because, again, when he dropped into debug, or I don't know if it was debug mode or it what was, he was yeah, doing. It was debug, yeah. Yeah, when he dropped into debug, he didn't have his function keys. And it would it would have been nice to be able to say step through, step in, and just have buttons there you could have hit. That would have, I thought. Yeah, imagine it, it would make the key mapping so much easier. Yeah. You know, I, I could then use F8 for something else instead of step over. If only you didn't have if, the latest yeah. and greatest. If only. <laughs> yeah, I, I look over and he's plugging his watch into my laptop because he didn't feel like digging for his dongle. <laughs> yeah. He had to charge his watch and he just plugs I forgot it into about my that. little USB. I, I had the, the USB-C hub in my bag. I just didn't want to break it out. Yeah, the next Mac won't have any ports at all because the person sitting next to you will probably have an older version that does have ports. <laughs> it's it's called cross. He's got to bring them with you everywhere. Yeah, it's the person across there from you, you is compatible. So who's going to Texas? I wish. <laughs> I want to go to Texas. I want to go too. I didn't realize no. this, this conference was coming up so soon. 
Uh, seventh and final. The seventh and final Lone Star PHP conference. Uh, did you hear why they why they're closing it down? I didn't. And and this is like the what the second or third it's one the that third shut one. down the sh- like this was like the final year. Huh? This is the third one this year. Yeah. What other two have shut down? Um True North or is it True North? Uh, uh, yeah. I didn't hear that. Yeah. And then uh I Canadian. I don't one. know what the other one the Vancouver one, I think. Okay. Alright. I'm sure someone will someone will correct us. Follow us on Twitter to see all the corrections. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh three uh three seventy five for training and conference. Um April twentieth through the twenty second. So that's coming up here quick. Yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna make it, but good lineup. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able. To, this it's coming up April twentieth, so that's yeah. that's coming up fast. I'm shocked because it's always been a, a very popular one, from what I've yeah. seen. But there must be a reason. Yeah. Yep. Maybe uh, I don't know. Dave uh, Dave Stokes is gonna be there. He comes to San Diego every now and then and has spoken at uh, PHP for us before. Yeah. He conf- he makes it to these conferences quite often to speak. Yeah, I think that's his his gig, right? He's the yeah. MySQL community manager or something or something like that. Yeah. All right. So if you're in the area, if you want to attend a good conference, uh it's only I think it was only a two seventy five for just the conference if you didn't want to do the training. Um reasonable reasonable rate there. Go check it out. <laughs> Compared to tech, that's very reasonable. Yep. Yep. So Thomas, you just did you decide if you're going to tech? I haven't decided yet, or my boss hasn't decided yet. I also haven't, ah. but he hasn't either because he doesn't know. Well, we will be there. So I've I've spoken in the past about being a self-taught developer. I think I think all three of us are self-taught developers. Is that correct? Absolutely. And uh, yes, one of the things I regret is never really going through comp sci courses. You, you didn't miss anything. I, I think I did. I think I, I think I missed a bunch, <laughs> a bunch of math specifically. Every time I see an animated GIF of uh, sorting algorithms, I go, "Gee, I wish I understood that." It's really pretty. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I found an interesting uh, yep. interesting new site, TeachYourselfCS.com, and it is an A to Z of the courses available online, the books available online, uh, free resources. Uh, videos put up by Berkeley and MIT and Stanford, uh, a lot of really great stuff, and that's absolutely going to be filling up a good amount of my time. I don't know how you guys. Yeah, this is uh, nothing, nothing new. I mean, MIT, I think, open sourced their their computer sci um, course a while back, where anybody could take it. I mean, you couldn't get credit unless you went and paid, but. Um, there's a couple of colleges that do that now. Obviously, Berkeley apparently does it as well, and Stanford. But I think it's great. I mean, it's my biggest complaint with computer science when I was going to school, keeping in mind this was a few moons back, <laughs> but that it it was lagging behind. Like, it was so obvious it was still, it was lagging behind its own industry. I assume... That's probably changed a lot, and it's not so much an issue. My understanding of it now is that CompSci is focusing far more on the science and far less on the programming side of things. If you're getting into CompSci to learn how to program, you're doing the wrong thing. CompSci is yeah. for a much higher level of engineering and understanding of computer systems and the future of computer systems, you know. If you're, I, I'm going to say it's, it's going to be a rough course to to self learn. Oh yeah, that. I, I mean really. No, I, I I did the MIT course where you followed along with their their coursework online, and uh, I bailed out of that real fast. I mean, I, yeah, it gets pretty dry. Yeah. Lesson two was was my stopping point where there was no one I could just say, hey, you know, this part here makes no sense at all. And uh, it turns out I don't. Yeah. Now you see why they make it available for yeah. free. It turns out I didn't know calculus, which is uh, fundamental to grouping algorithms. So, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, great resource though. We'll we'll make sure it's in the show notes. Yeah, Eric, did you go? Did you took uh, 
did you get a degree in computer science or you just took some classes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just took some classes. I dropped out after a couple of years. I, um, yeah, I dropped out. <laughs> I, I it, it was just it was community college. It wasn't even a, a four four year university or anything like that. See, Thomas, this is why I said you didn't miss anything because I have a degree in computer science and think you guys are way smarter than I am. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> a degree doesn't mean mouth. much. Uh, well, Jeez. I have an MCSE, and I'll never touch a Microsoft server again. So, <laughs> I, I think yeah. I think the decision so the I. decision on what you want to learn when you're 18 years old is probably not the correct one. <laughs> Dude, I carried around my MCSD or my MCSE card with me in my wallet for years. Like, like somebody's going to ask me to show it to them yeah. or something. I, I I used to carry that thing around with me. I was so proud of I've, it. I had my certs. For a decade, until I moved here to Colorado, I started going through all my old files and all my old boxes, and I found my the little pin that they give you when you graduate. It says Microsoft Certified mm-hmm. Systems Engineer, and I found all my really expensive paper uh, certifications, and I just looked at them for about five minutes and said, nah, and tossed them. <laughs> <laughs> we have a certified Zen engineer now. Really? So it's yeah, I I've thought about doing that, but I, I I know I'll be in the exact same boat. Like I think about going through the courses just for the learning aspect of it, not so much to get the certification because, quite honestly, the certification isn't going to add anything to my career path at this stage. Um, but I would like to to kind of go through the course, but it's just so much money, so much time. I I, I don't really have either of those right now, so. I've chosen not to. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll continue to fake it. It's a lot easier that it's way. Got me this Cheaper. far. Yeah. Oh, I got bad news, guys. We're heading fast into doom and gloom time. I mean, it, I think this is record time for us. I don't know. Or we could just to... stop, or we, or we could just end right now and just not have one this episode. I've got a question for you guys. Just, just throwing that out there. How do you organize your projects? <laughs> your projects, your files, and your projects. Alphabetically, what? I don't <laughs> Just know. One folder. <laughs> Put everything <laughs> in it. No, I just use one file. I have this long file of a bunch of GIF images in it. <laughs> I've had the hardest time with with naming stuff lately. I've been creating these these classes for doing API calls to other systems, and I'm doing API calls to our own system and. You know, I write the facade, and it goes in the facades directory and the service provider, and I put it in the service provider directory. And then I go to write the object that does the work. I'm like, well, what type of object is this? It's the one that does the work. It's the worker object. Well, there's no worker directory for worker objects. What do I call it? I mean, have you guys... You know you can create directories, right? Yeah, but have... I, I, I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> I am so guilty of spending way too much time coming up with variable names, like like naming my methods, my functions, and my classes, much less the, the, the file itself. Like when I get into naming the different methods within a class, I will I will contemplate names for way too freaking long, man. <laughs> and I, I feel like such an idiot that I can't because I'll name it and I'll I'll use it and I'll get about halfway done with with a patch or something and realize yeah you know what that that function name doesn't really make sense I'm gonna call it something else I am terrible well, at that that's why I use PHP Storm because it's easy to update and I do take advantage of that now <laughs> well <laughs> I think I, that adds to my problem this is something I mean. Like I said, I, I've suffered with for a long, long time. I never really got a good answer on like where I should put components. So I did some digging, mm-hmm. and I, I pulled up an article from friend of the show, Matt Stauffer. I assume he's a friend of the show. Good guy. Why, why would you even assume that? But okay. He's smiling in his, in his blog posts. Oh, well, Makes there you me go. think we're friends. <laughs> um. But no, he wrote a great article called How to Organize Class Namespaces, and it gives you a list of different approaches, pros and cons for each approach, and it doesn't say, do it this way. It just says, here's what a lot of people do, here's another thing a lot of people do, here's another thing a lot of people do. Implement it the way that feels best for you, 
know the pros and cons. So I, I want to throw this out there to our listeners because it's something that plagued me for so long with object-oriented programming in PHP is just what is this what is this class that I'm building? What is this pattern? What do I name it? I definitely I want to throw that out in the notes before before we get a, to the doom and gloom section. Okay, well let's make sure it gets on the show notes and life will be good. All right, yeah, let's can't, buckle can't up. Wait to read through that. Buckle up. Yeah, it would have been nice to have a link to look at there, Thomas. Here, it, it would have been. I, oh, I just put hey, it, look. I just I just put it there for you. Calm down. That's nice. Great. All right. John put Thomas's link in here. Yes, let's uh, let's talk about tracker tractors. Let's talk about farming. Do you you guys have a tractors, right? I'm a, I'm Attractors? very attractive. Is that that's what you mean? I'm an attractive guy. Uh, we've got the title for our we've you got said, the title for our that, show. That, that was a, that that was a good stretch. <laughs> attractive. Eric guy. Van Johnson colon attractive guy. <laughs> I do not own a tractor. No, I do not. Well, this have not for a long time. Driven a tractor before. This goes up in my doom and gloom because because this is something that I've complained about forever, which is DRM. <clears throat> you know, I've complained in the past about uh, Keurig coffee machines, and they only which I have yet to validate is even an issue, man. I've yet to validate that, but yes, you have you have claimed the Keurig machine won't let you. Use third-party pods that are not blessed by Kurgs. Microchip. Yes, I don't see that. That that does that is cannot be true. I I am I'm leaning towards what it, John says. I've I've looked for proof and I have not been able to find it. Keurig. But we move DRM. on to tractors. Oh, there you go. A list of let's see, ten thousand articles about it. Hmm. Oh, That's yeah. all I had to do was oh thirty nine thirty two thousand articles. Keurig DRM. Oh, I, I I don't I don't believe you. Keurig attempt DRM. It's coffee cups totally backfired. Mm. Yes. <laughs> well, that, that's actually the Keurig machine I have right there. The one that they show in this article is the one I have. They ended up removing DRM because people were outraged about it. And okay. the hope here with this piece is that that the same thing happens. Uh John Deere has implemented DRM for its tractors so that when you purchase outright a tractor from John Deere, you are unable to do any kind of modifications or repairs to it without the blessing of the John Deere company. This, this, this terrifies the hell out of me. And what they say in their release is the thing that pisses me off the absolute most, which is, oh no, you never actually own our trackers. You only are paying for the right to use them. We still own them. I hate that statement. And you know, it's only going to be a matter of time before that comes to automobiles. Well, now... But that I is digress. that is the case Continue. with a lot of things that you don't think about, though. Uh, anything you buy from the Apple Store is under the same license, which is you're purchasing a right to use, which can be withdrawn at any time. And anything on an Amazon Kindle, all the books, part of their store's deal is that they can revoke a book through WhisperNet at any time, which actually occurred once. So right, right when the Kindle was released, uh, the... The heirs to the 1984 royalties took issue with 1984 being published on the Kindle and required it to be removed without notification to the user. So, I mean, just awful crap does happen. It doesn't get a lot of notification here, but one of the biggest issues with the John Deere tractors is that They've made a change to their end-user license agreement. Um, And this is an agreement that in order to turn on the tractor, you have to click agree to every single time. So you insert the key, turn the key, a screen pops up that says, do you agree to the terms and conditions? You hit yes, and then the tractor starts. And they change those? Yeah, so they've they've not changed, they've updated. Change makes it sound nefarious. (laughs) Uh, they've added an indemnity clause, which states that uh, loss of crops, profits, uh, goodwill, 
or equipment arising from performance or non-performance of any aspect of the software is not their fault. So when you have to call a service tech in to replace a belt and they charge you $230 just to make the phone call and then $130 an hour for the technician to plug in his USB authorization key, they're saying, well, yeah, if that guy can't make it that day and your crops all die, it's not our fault. <laughs> and, and this whole story came up. It was uh, it was published on Boing Boing, and it was about a farmer who just needed to do some work on his tractor, which is what farmers do. I mean, farms aren't exactly in the middle of metropolises or anything like that. They're out far away. A lot of these farmers are self-sufficient. You know, them working on their own tractors is not anything new. And it turns out this guy realized he couldn't work on his tractor unless he downloaded some illegal cracks to basically bypass these these issues with uh, John Deere. Now, so it, see, that's my favorite part of this story, though, is these, these cracks and workarounds and things, they're being developed by a lot of uh, farmers in Ukraine. Ukraine has some very technically capable people and laws that don't prevent repairing or modifying your own hardware or software. So if you bought it, it's yours. So you can do whatever you want. Well, well, actually, there are there are law there are DRM laws there. They're just not as enforced as what the article sure. says. So whatever, buddy. <laughs> my story. <laughs> this is my doom and gloom. <laughs> well, my favorite part is is how do you uh, how do you sell something that is technologically advanced to people who are not technologically advanced. And they just have a store up that says, hey, this part costs $25 and it's a diagnostic part for your John Deere. Uh, if you buy it, then uh, you can you can fix your John Deere. Well, you buy the part and they send you a link to a forum for people who own John Deere's and want to work on it themselves. You know, basically an underground forum. And it lists all mm -hmm. the resources for how you can fix your own uh, tractors without having to pay three hundred and you know ninety dollars just for someone to show up. Yeah. So it's, I mean, you think about all the stories that are out there. Everyone's everyone hates Monsanto. Uh, we we know all the stories about the nightmares that farmers have to deal with with seed licensing and stuff like that. It goes more in depth than that. I mean, even the tractor they're getting screwed over on their right to own because the way the law is laid out, they're allowed to. You're allowed to screw people. So companies are doing it. Um, you want to hear something funny? Sure. You want to hear something yeah. funny? Uh, I, used to, I used to do a lot with um, a conference, an open source conference here in Southern California called Scale. And uh, I, I haven't been involved with them <clears throat> lately in – I guess they, they've gotten busy, I've gotten busy, and we just haven't synced up the last couple of years. But I used to talk to the organizers at scale on a fairly regular basis. So this is years ago. I got wind of this open source project that was going on. And I'm like telling this guy, I'm like, we have got to get these guys at scale. It was open source like you've never thought of open source before. And what it was, it was a group. It's called Open Source Ecology. And it was a group that was coming together and building open source solutions for farming. So, for example, a tractor. They were coming up with open source tractors that you could build yourself and, and manage yourself. And it, it, it's just absolutely fascinating i love this project i wish i could get more involved with it but everything they do is open source they, they build all these all this different hardware like these these machines that you don't think of like, like these saws these these specialty saws that's you're like well why would you ever have to open source that why wouldn't why would you not buy that from a vendor and this is why because this is the direction that industry is heading where they want to retain ownership and control over all this, uh, you know, all their th things that they have out there. So check out open. I'll, I'll throw this in the show notes. But if if this is something that interests you, check out the open source ecology project. And it's just it's fascinating to see what these people do. 
I don't know what the status of it is today. I I didn't look this up beforehand. I just clicked over there just to make sure the project was still alive. But at one point, what it was is it was actually a working farm that you could volunteer to go live at. And as you're doing the farming, as you're building the pens and all that, you start to discover what tools are needed and what, so you're, you're, you're maintaining this farm and then you're coming up with these open source solutions and they're hardware hmm. solutions to help maintain the farm. Very, very cool project. I, I strongly recommend if you're into open source, if you're into freedom and checking this if out, you're an American, and, uh, you know, if, if it's, if you are American, 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 American. well, all right, sorry. Oh, that's fine. I, it's, I, I agree that that's a direction that we should go, but but I also believe that regulation is one of the things that prevents this kind of abuse of customers from happening. Um, when you look at the things that occurred leading up to the John Deere tractors having DRM in them, there were lobbyists from all of these tech companies saying we need to be able to restrict use of people's property and we need to make a, a law that says they're not absolutely not allowed to circumvent anything that we put on the devices that they are purchasing. They they presented some very reasonable conversation about why this is beneficial, and the laws passed because of that. The uh, DMCA laws, the uh, right to repair or the counter right to repair laws that came out. So not only is it is it that these companies are perfectly safe in saying you cannot modify your own stuff. But it's illegal to even do so. It's illegal to circumvent their protection of your property. Um, and th there was a case where a similar thing was happening with the internet, where there was a threat to people's privacy from their own ISPs. And the FCC stepped in and said, whoa, 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 you guys, if you're providing a service like this, you cannot turn around and sell the user's information, you know, just because they gave it to you, they, they're, they're buying something from you. You require the information. You can't sell it to third parties. Uh, it was a huge uh, success for privacy groups and security groups around the country. But unfortunately, as I discussed last week, the current Senate it was going to vote on, and at this time has voted on, passing a removal of all FCC privacy rules for ISPs. So seriously. Yeah, you know wow. I I boohooed this I didn't boohoo it last week. I you know I was giving you a hard time about wrapping up your doom and gloom. <laughs> but this this was a serious a serious topic that we probably should have spent more time on and I apologize for that. Um encouraged people to reach out to their their legislation and and let them know what they thought about it. I, I can't Again, this administration continues to baffle me. I, I am so concerned about where we're where we're heading in this country, now, and that you telling me that this is now passed is th this has passed the Senate. It's moving on to the president. Once the president signs it, which he will, then it's going in. It's going in to will. effect almost immediately. Um, which is why I started by asking you guys, "Hey, do you own a tractor?" Because no, we're not affected by the John Deere tractor DRM crap. We have our outrages about it, but we're not directly affected by it. But I can tell you right now, your router in a week is going to be compromised. All your browsing data will be for sale. Um, so if that doesn't scare you and you're listening to this podcast, I think you're listening to the wrong podcast because that should absolutely scare you. The selling point here is that companies will provide free internet access in, in trade for your information. So it's so the same way that Facebook provides its service for free, is that you would get an internet access for free in uh, underdeveloped areas or low-income areas, and they would collect your information and sell it to turn a profit so that they could pay for the service they were providing for free. But as John Deere has clearly proven here, as Apple has proven, as Microsoft has proven, they have no intention of doing this. This is not altruistic lawmaking here. This is corporations taking advantage of citizens in America and destroying our, our fundamental rights with things that are already integrated completely into our lives. It, it is an absolute tragedy to have this law pass 
and to the extent that it actually removes it removes the ability for the FCC to even regulate the internet at all. So so not so I'm gonna crazy. I'm gonna plug I'm gonna plug another podcast. You got to you got to wheel it in here, buddy. We are way, I will. running away no, from my dark place. Story. I'm gonna plug another podcast. I I'm gonna plug another podcast that you should listen to. However, and I think you should actually listen to this one, Thomas. I've actually started listening to it, and it's like Thomas's doom and gloom, but the entire podcast. It's called Unfiltered. It's on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. They do a bunch of really good podcasts there, unlike our crappy uh, little throw-together thing. Uh, Coda Radio is another one I listen to from them. I listen to a lot of their Linux stuff. They do a bunch of open-source stuff, but they, they, they have a f- podcast over there called Unfiltered, and it's all about doom and gloom. I mean, it's just doom and gloom, political crap. You I would know. love it. I, I, would. I, do, I do love doom and gloom. And I have a story for you that... Mm-hmm. Sounds like doom and gloom, but it isn't. Uh, I am very happy to hear this because I was waiting to get my lashings from from John on this one. <laughs> I, I was waiting to. We always say use a password manager. Use a password manager. And internally, so to give you some backstory, internally at Diego Dev, we've had a back and forth on two mainstream password managers. LastPass and one password and it's one of the few times in the company that i played the cto card and said we're using LastPass because i'm the cto and that's what i want to standardize on now john the ceo has fought me on this <laughs> and continues not to use LastPass. i but hate last how could you hate last but uh i hate so, LastPass. So when I saw you post this article about LastPass hit by uh, password stealing and code execution vulnerabilities, I'm like, oh, this this is this one's gonna suck for me, isn't it? Not so at all. Go this into is it. very positive. <laughs> as long as you're positive, LastPass doesn't suck. Then yes, that's good. So, because LastPass has closed a remote code execution closed vulnerability, closed one of several. So. There's a developer for Google named uh, Travis Ormondi. When he pays attention to your project, you have to look out. He He's notorious for devastating vulnerabilities. The thing is, is that he is white hat exclusively. This guy works for Google, finding vulnerabilities in other projects that are not Google's projects. He is good, and he's working for us. And anytime that you have a product that handles security that is being openly audited, safely reported, and patched without vulnerabilities being uh, released, that is something good to happen. We, we know as developers that no product is bug-free. So to have somebody who's invested in fixing your bugs for you or locating your bugs for you is one of the greatest things you can have. And... Tony, or sorry, Travis, Travis Ormandy has found a number of vulnerabilities in LastPass that were patched or uh, circumvented by the LastPass company, which I believe got purchased by, uh, let's see, LogMeIn. Yes, $110 million. LogMeIn owns LastPass? $110 million. Wow. Uh, So. And just to correct his his name, there's no R. Just Travis. Tavis Ormandy. So, so one of the thing, nice things about LastPass as a service is when these patches happen, it's pretty close to instantaneous for the client. There's no, you have to download more software and install it. It just kind of it happens for you in the background. That's one of the nice things about the LastPass service. My favorite part is the Android integration, which is just butter smooth. Really? That's the part I oh. hate about it. Really, I I like the I like the LastPass Android yeah, it, it detects. Yeah, now it sucks. It detects on, forms uh, on apps. iOS. So if you have an app load up that has a mm-hmm. name and password, it, it detects that and fills that up for you. It works. You, you have to enable it. It won't do it by default. You have to you have to give a permission to. I, I forget it's what permission, the permission to manage called, your phone. You have to give a permission to. But yeah, what? Well, I, I think there was another yeah, one. Yeah, once you, had once you give it that permission. Then it's just watching every app you open, looking for something to fill in. I, I have 
enamored. So the the bottom line with this LastPass thing is a, a good guy hacker found some vulnerabilities, LastPass fixed it, all is said and done, or? Nope. Issues there still are still remain. issues. Issues still um, remain. Wonk, wonk. But the vulnerabilities are not compromised. Uh, there's no one out there stealing your stuff through LastPass yet. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, any service that you any service that you choose is going to eventually get compromised or have a major flaw that could be compromised. So, yeah. uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, I don't think we mentioned it. So, was it um, was Volt Seven on? Was that last show or the show before? Uh, that was the show before. I think it was last one. It was the show before. Was last show before? week was the microwave cameras. Anyways. We were talking about how um, one of the reasons why WikiLeaks was taking so long to release some of the information was because they were going through making sure that they didn't release the actual vulnerabilities and they were working with the vendors who were identified to ha- as having a vulnerable absolutely. software. Um, yeah, absolutely. Does that sound familiar? Did you? Did we talk about the patches that I came don't out? believe so. I don't think... I don't think we did. So Notepad++, which is a Windows application, it's like a supercharged Notepad on Windows, they released a patch that specifically states it's addressing the CIA vulnerability. And I thought I thought that was kind of cool. So WikiLeaks obviously got in touch with them, told them the vulnerability, and they patched it. You heard that today. I'll see if today I, I find a link for that. release. From from WikiLeaks on Vault Seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, was there? I didn't hear anything. Uh, about it. The latest one is a, an exploit for factory fresh iPhones. What they do is the CIA would interrupt the shipping procedure for the iPhone, plug a dongle into the bottom of it, and then repackage it and can send it back on its way. And the phone would then be compromised at the root level uh, from then on. But how would they open? I mean, they're packaged, aren't they? Are you saying no, no, the, the package, bulk the individual package, or a bulk shipment? I mean, they, the FISA courts, they just go through each phone yeah. and they would resell yeah, wrap them? like a thousand dollars. A cellophane right, wrapper costs so little. They they probably paid a million dollars for the exploit. So, uh, what what's the dongle though? You said they plug it's a not, dongle. It's not completely it, disclosed it at this point. Software or something, but. It's designed to work on an iPhone that is awaiting a user. So you know when you buy an iPhone, it says, hey, tell me all about you, where you live, what do you do, you know that stuff? It's designed to keep mm-hmm. that intact uh, and modify it through zero interface. So just plug it into the lightning port or what have you, and then the light turns green, the device is now compromised, they re it, and then keep it on its way. And they, they're just doing this to random phones. They have no, no idea they're where they're going. They're not doing this to random phones. Just... There's, no, there's no evidence of which phones they're doing this to, but there is evidence that the... But but there's evidence that yeah, they, there's, they did the this to The technology is in their hands, uh, and it's it's known that the FISA court will allow mass installation of this kind of listening device because they're not listening till they turn it on. That's that's one of the the big rules is that they can compromise your system, but they're not breaking the law until they listen to you. Your iPhone mm-hmm. might be compromised. I don't know, man. That one well, sounds a little suspicious right here to me. In front of me. It's not called sure Dark Matter. What's that? I'm not touching your dark, dark matter. All right, guys, listen to me. We're we're at an hour plus here. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up. Are you, what do you think? Are you are you getting we'll depressed by my show? doom and gloom? Does it bring down the podcast? Not at all. Yes. I, I, I got a dog that wants out of my office. I'm trying to wrap this up so I can go let him <laughs> open the door here. That that does without without the video dog evidence, I can of, see the dog. I, I that would out. sound like the weakest excuse you could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him, he's just standing, he's freaking me out. It looks like he's a Blair Witch court. here. He's just like staring at the door now. I gotta let him out. Uh, well, while Eric's doing that, well, Tom's movie reviews. Uh, the new Blair Witch movie was terrible. Big surprise. Is it a remake or is it a, is it a new movie? Yeah, there? it's a franchise reboot attempt and it, 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 God, it missed on every level. I wonder if that was our friend that did that. I hope not. <laughs> You think he's Kinda out? Hope, but... 
Okay, gents. I think that is going to be it for episode 54 of PHP Ugly. Um, I think that was a pretty good, yeah, pretty good show. Came together. I'm Eric Van Johnson. Use a password manager. We don't care what it is. Just use a password manager. I'm Tom Rideout. I'm John Congdon. Keep, Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly.